Good morning, everyone. I'm going to start by calling roll. And I'm just going to go down my screen. Stogsdale. Here. Okay. Delfelder. Present. Jay. Present. White. Presence. Need my screen. Shockey. Here. Brunin. Here. Burger. Burger's present. Scott. Present. Blanchard. Present. And I believe that is all that is on the call. Okay, I'm gonna kick it over to Kyle Kobe and he's got some beginning instructions for the meeting. Thank you very much. Good morning and welcome to May 21st, 2021 Building Code Board of Appeals meeting. Uh, my name is Kyle Kobe and I'll be facilitating the Zoom video portion of the meeting. Joining me here in the Ad Astra conference room is Amy Miller and nobody else. Uh, we, we will work alongside the chair who's on remote video to facilitate the meeting proceedings. Currently, I have everyone muted so we can talk through the general ground rules for tonight's meeting. This meeting is being recorded and broadcast live on the city's YouTube channel. During the meeting, please mute yourself by clicking on the microphone icon found in the lower left-hand corner of the Zoom menu next to the video icon. When you are muted, a red line will appear over the icon. This will make it easier for everyone to hear the meeting. Just remember to unmute if and when you want to speak. You can also turn your video camera on or off by clicking the video icon in the menu. For the purposes of this public meeting, when you are participating in the meeting, please keep your video on. When you are not participating in the meeting, it is okay to turn your video off. You'll still be able to listen to the meeting when your video is off. You'll just have to remember to turn your video back on when you are participating. Turning your video off when you are not participating will help make sure that the active meeting participants can be seen on the screen. In some cases, I may turn someone's video off if they are not actively participating to avoid visual distraction during the meeting. You can always turn your video back on during the meeting. If you are participating by phone, you can enter star six to mute and unmute your phone. Somewhere on your Zoom screen, you will also see a choice to toggle between speaker and gallery view. Speaker view shows the active speaker, Gallery view tiles all of the meeting participants. Commissioners, you must state your name and title each time you speak. Members of city staff must also state their name and title each time they speak. I would also ask that applicants and members of the public identify themselves each time before they speak to ensure that everyone is able to follow along. When public comment is sought on an item, individuals participating via Zoom should use the raise your hand feature. Windows and Mac users can access this feature through the participants button at the bottom of their screen. Android and iPhone users can access this feature through the More button located at the bottom right corner of their screen. For those calling in by phone, you may dial star nine. Individuals will be called upon by name in the order they appear on the meeting host screen. When you are called on, please unmute your listening device and state your name before speaking. The chair will then call for in-person public comment for those who are physically present. Staff will direct you to the podium to speak while following social distancing and safety protocols. All motions will need to be stated clearly. After a motion is made and seconded, staff will call on each commissioner individually to provide their vote. 
Staff will then announce whether the motion carried and the count of the vote. I want to again remind everyone to please mute yourself when you're not speaking. I'll now turn the meeting over to the chair. And chair, I just want to make no note, this is Amy Miller, Assistant Planning and Development Services Director, that Alan Balot, a board member, has also joined the meeting and is present. Uh, that um, My name is Mark Stogsville, Chair of the uh, board, and uh, I guess we should get started. Um, I guess we'll start with agenda number one, which is uh, on our list today. Uh, I think first we need to hear from staff and uh, any uh, report they Chairman might Chairman have. Chairman Stogsville, can I have a point of order? Certainly. Thank you. Uh, I, I note that from these rules that, in fact, we're not a, a legislative or executive body but are in fact a judicial body from which Mr. Schwabauer, I hope I pronounced that correctly, sir, uh, only has one recourse, which is to take our decision uh, and appeal it to the, the district court for Douglas County, Kansas. So I, I hear the instructions given by the city as far as this being you know, by motion uh, as if it's some sort of legislative process. Uh, however, we're judicial. So this should not proceed as a move, vote, et cetera. This should be a separate private deliberation among the board uh, for an opinion, which is then written up uh, and issued with regard to Mr. Schwabauer and the city, uh, the two of them being uh, really kind of the litigants who are in front of us today. Uh, so um, under the rules of six 1600s, uh, I think that the burden actually falls on Mr. Schwabauer, uh, who should be given the first opportunity to speak. The city can respond, and then he has a chance to rebut back uh, as, as an appellant would. So thank you. Uh, very good. Uh, does staff have any uh, comment on that? I would need to do some research. Uh, um, so we can we can take a 10 minute recess. It's um, it, it might be good to have the issue resolved to know exactly what it is we're processing, how we're going to you know proceed. Right. Uh, I, again, as a point of order, uh, the, the city itself is actually a party to this. We don't serve the city. We're not represented by the city. The city doesn't advise us. Uh, they are separate. And in fact, you know, in a sense, adversarial, since we sit as a body in judgment of what the city has done or failed to do or done appropriately. So I'm not even sure that it's appropriate that we should be taking advice from them. Whoa, 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 whoa. Are we not independent? Uh, my understanding was we're a you know city appointed judicial body, but I don't I don't know the specifics. I'm not an attorney. I have no background in that, so I would have to defer to someone with much more expertise in, in the areas you're discussing. I just uh, that's not my area of knowledge, so I don't know what our responsibility or liability is or in regards to making these choices and decisions. So 
it's never really come up in the 10 years plus that I've served on and off this board. So, right. This is Alan, this is Alan Balot, and I'm a board member. I was also a board member of the Board of Zoning Appeals for more than a decade, maybe more than two decades. Uh, the Board of Zoning Appeals is definitely a quasi-judicial body, as Mr. Berger is speaking. The protocol, you're correct, is that the, if we are a quasi-judicial body, the, uh, the applicant's next course is the district court. However, the practice of the Board of Zoning Appeals is to hear uh, staff's report and then to hear the applicant's report. And that is the correct protocol. I don't think the question of whether we should even be hearing staff's report is correct based on the Board of Zoning Appeals protocols. I appreciate those protocols. I think the due process would be contrary to those protocols. And uh, if, if the city is willing to take on the, the burden of proof, then I think that might be more appropriate. However, that's not the way that the code is written up. And while I appreciate that the city has always guided its boards in, a, in an administrative fashion, if we're gonna treat this as a true judicial body, then I think we should treat it as a true judicial body and respect that among ourselves and for those who are going through this process. Um. I believe we may have an impasse here. I don't know. This is the first time this has ever come up, to my knowledge, that we've had this discussion. So, um, I again, I would defer to city staff to give us some guidance and what direction we need to proceed. Because, and uh, you know, it's their determination that has brought us all to this meeting in the first place. So. Chair, Amy Miller, Assistant Planning and Development Services Director. Um, Mr. Blott is correct that the Building Code Board of Appeals does function in a quasi-judicial manner, very similar to the Board of Zoning Appeals. Um, the action and determination taken by this board on this particular item will need to be written up as findings of fact. There will need to be a motion um, to that effect um, and, you know, typically we handle our meetings, um, even our quasi-judicial meetings, with a presentation from staff, a presentation from the applicant, and then both can rebut. Um, and we also open it up for public comment um, and then deliberation by the board. That is the process. If a commissioner um, uh, is not in agreement with that, and the board so chooses, we can continue the item recess and we will need to get um, city legal staff involved in order to make a determination and schedule a, a further meeting at a future date. I, I don't find that an acceptable solution for the appellant here. Uh, so what you're basically saying is because of a, a concern of due process, a concern of the burden of proof, concern of the independence of this organization that you're going to penalize our appellant who now has to wait an additional period of time until the city decides what to do. I don't find that acceptable. I mean, I'll, I'll allow this to go forward, but it's over my, you know, kind of procedural objection then, and just kind of depends on how it all comes across at the end. And 
if both sides are treated fairly. Um, okay, uh, this is Mark. Let's uh, again. Um, I guess I would, I guess I can put it up to a vote with the rest of the board members. Do we want to proceed or do we want to go back and actually sort this out? So, um, uh, because obviously we have one ind individual on the board that has some concerns about the process. So, um, it, would that be a reasonable, uh, direction to travel? Um, Ms. Miller? That would. Um, and, you know, I apologize. We typically don't have our legal staff at all of our meetings. Um, if we had known that this issue was going to arise, we could have done some research and had our city attorney present. Um, so I apologize for that. Uh, so I guess I would, uh, I would, uh, look for a motion to just make whether we want to proceed with uh, the objection that we have before us uh, or postpone or not have this meeting at, at this time. I can't get my video on, but I'm, I, this is Alan Ballot. I make the motion that we proceed. I hear a, a, a motion. Do I have a second? Uh, this is Eric J. I'll second. Um, uh, Ms. Miller, would you like to uh, to uh, vote for us, please? Amy Miller, Assistant Planning and Development Services Director. I'd be happy to call the roll. White. Oh, I'm sorry. This is uh, Chris Berger. Uh, I think there's discussion after motion in a second. You're correct. Uh, is there any in it? Is there any uh, conversation? Chris Berger, uh, same as previously stated. I don't think it's right for uh, this matter to be delayed any further. Uh, but that doesn't pass on. Uh, procedural or due process deficiencies. Um, prior to the hearing, I'd asked for a copy of the rules from city staff. Um, nothing specific was provided uh, as to how this would go forward. And so there's no way for me to know other than at this very moment as to how it was going. I believe we have a motion and a second. Um, could we now take a vote? Amy Miller, Assistant Planning and Development Services Director, White. Yes. Blanchard. Yes. Delfelder. Yes. Brunin? Yes. Balot? Yes, I. Jay? Yes. Scott? Yes. Shockey? Yes. Berger? Yes. Stogsdale? Yes.
so we have a motion. Um, I would then assume we were going to proceed as we had originally intended. Uh, could we have a staff report? Uh, Adrian Jones, Senior Plans Examiner. <clears throat> um, the issue at hand, the, uh, we received a, a building permit for a swimming pool. Uh, staff reviewed the plans and provide the applicant with comments. Um, as determined by plan review staff, two of the items staff did not feel that were in compliance with the swimming 2018 swimming pool and spa code. <clears throat> the first item uh, was the barrier, the fence, that the proposed fence. So <clears throat> to back up, the building code has general requirements, it has specific requirements, and if the code doesn't have specific requirements or, or general requirements based on the item being reviewed, <clears throat> then the building official is permitted to determine under each administrative section of each code to determine if the proposed project construction or method of construction <clears throat> is safe. So you all have, I don't know if you all have my email I sent to uh, the applicant where we discuss uh, in the 2018 pool code section 102.8. What that basically says is just as I just explained, the fence that's being proposed, the, the building code cannot cover every specific design so in the fence barrier requirements of that code, we have requirements for a chain link fence, very clear. We have requirements for your typical wood and slat fence, very clear, the size of the openings, the space, the horizontal members and all of that. Uh, but what's proposed, there is no require, there's no specific requirements for that. So what the building official does at that point is we try to find out what the intent, what is the intent of the code? One of the, uh, tools that we use is the, the code commentary. When I went to look up the code commentary, it clearly says the intent of the barrier requirement in the swimming pool and spa code is to prevent someone from climbing the fence and getting into a backyard. That's, that is the intent of the barrier requirement. It clearly says that uh, in the commentary. So uh, that was my response back to the applicant that I did not feel based on the design which has horizontal slats and there's there's anywhere from an inch to an inch and a half spacing proposed uh, on the fence. Uh, staff determines that's basically a ladder. Uh, someone can get their hands, it's perfect for footholds and handholds. Somebody can get their hand in there and climb, climb the fence. So we thought the, the barrier was unsafe. That's that portion. The second uh, non-compliant item, uh, we provided the applicant with a very specific requirement, very specific. It, it, it requires that if your house is used as a part of the barrier, then every door leading into the backyard or every window seal that's under 48 inches needs to have uh, an audible alarm on it. Um, the applicant's response was he just didn't feel that that was necessary. So that that kind of wraps it up. 
Um, and that's where, our, where we are on these two sections of the codes and the plan review comments. Uh, thank you, Mr. Jones. Um, this is Mark Stoggs again. Um, I guess I would like to hear from the uh, applicant to uh, uh, give their uh, side of the story and explain what their intent is. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Stogdahl. Um, my name is Matt Schwabauer, uh, property owner at uh, 2305 Westdale Road. Uh, my wife, Katie Hobson, and my, my daughter, Nora, are uh, on the, the call as well. Um, I'll, I'll start, um, and if they have anything to add, they're certainly welcome to do that. Um, thank you for uh, everyone's time here, um, and particularly the uh, attention to process. Um, um, particularly Mr. Berger there. Um, it's, uh, it's fascinating. Uh, <laughs> I'd be surprised if we were to take any sort of appeal to the, uh, county, um, county court, but I guess we'll, we'll see. Um, uh, so, um, I, I generally agree with what, um, uh, Adrian, Mr. Jones, um, described as uh, the situation we're at. Um, I would update, uh, we had not finalized our intent on how large those uh, spaces would be between the horizontal slats. Um, and subsequently we're, we're planning on three quarters of an inch um, between the horizontal slats. Um, I think our appeal is largely based on uh, the equal or better um, language that I believe we have the right to pursue here. Um, I believe a uh, four foot tall chain link fence would be allowable per the international spa and pool code. And it's really hard for me to believe that our six foot fence uh, would be uh, inferior to that in terms of keeping people from climbing uh, I believe that sounds like a fair interpretation of the intent uh, of the code is, and the barrier is to prevent climbing. That, that sounds very reasonable to me. Um, there are certain uh, limits of what, what can actually be achieved. Um, the requirement isn't to build a 50-foot fence um, or to build an electric fence or to keep 100% of high jumpers out of our yard. Um, I believe the intent for safety would be to keep um, children who are at risk of drowning uh, out of our yard. And um, I believe our proposed fence is equal or better to other fences specifically allowed. Uh, it's worth noting that not only is the chain link fence allow allowed, um, but it specifically allows 13 quarter inch chain link and a typical chain link is a, is a two inch grid. Um, so not only is chain link allowed at four foot tall, but it's allowed uh, sort of an, an extra large opening chain lake. Um, and as a child, I certainly preferred climbing chain link to other uh, fences, um, certainly easier, I would imagine. Um, so it's hard to believe, hard for me to believe that our proposed fence does not meet the uh, the required intent of keeping people from climbing, uh, climbing into our yard. Um, anyone who is 
capable of climbing a, a six foot fence like this uh, is in my opinion, certainly going to be large enough and stable enough and capable of uh, not being in danger around a, a two foot deep pool. Um, in regards to the audible alarms, uh, figured I'd throw it in there while we're going through this process. Um, I can't imagine once again, any, any person, child or otherwise being able to climb through uh, the rear windows of our house and uh, expose themselves to any kind of danger. I believe once again, we're meeting the intent of, of safety. Uh, our, our windows are fairly inaccessible. Um, was happy to put alarms on there uh, for the, uh, you know, just to keep it moving. But since we're, we're here, I figured I ought to point out that there ought to be some uh, some more open interpretation there as well. Um, uh, the fence would also, in my mind, be more of a deterrent than other fences allowed in terms of keeping uh, a visual um, off of the pool. Um, a, an attractive nuisance is, um, I believe, what this would be considered, and uh, the chain link does nothing to prevent that, uh, whereas this proposed fence will uh, limit limit the view more of our pool, which would do more to keep people uh, who shouldn't be in the backyard out of the backyard. Um, uh, one more note is that I believe this was interpreted as a solid barrier fence. Um, there's a couple different types of fences spelled out in the um, International Spawn Building Code, the chain link. Uh, a mesh fence and a, a horizontal slat fence and a vertical slat fence. And this didn't really fall into any of those. So I believe the city interpreted it as a, a solid barrier as if we were building like a, a masonry wall or a stone wall or, or some sort of solid uh, structure. And so the, the feedback from staff was that we could still put in a horizontal slat fence, but we weren't allowed any space between the horizontal slats. And as I, mentioned at the beginning, our intent now is a, a three-quarter inch space uh, between our horizontal slats. And uh, the code specifically points out that if we were to build a, a brick wall, for example, we would be allowed, uh, quote, typical uh, masonry joint um, sizes in between the bricks, which you know, could be interpreted as, uh, you know, larger than, than three-quarters of an inch that we're uh, asking for for our, our horizontal slats. Um, so I would argue, again, that our fence would be um, less climbable and more safe than a, a brick wall that we would uh, be allowed to build here. And I, I believe we'd be allowed to build that at four foot tall, uh, once again, um, and not be required to put it in at six. So in my mind, uh, Katie and I and Nora are, are proposing a fence that is safe, uh, is sufficient, meets the code, um, and um, I suppose that's, that's all I, I have. Katie or Nora are welcome to add anything if they like. Uh, I guess the only thing I would add is that this is also a temporary pool designed to be used during the summer and stored in the garage. So I guess I'm just wondering, does that mean that we're gonna have to go through this process every single year for something that's not meant to be a permanent structure? Um, it just seems like very cumbersome for the general public 
who are just trying to have a kiddie pool in the backyard. And I guess I would add one more thing. Thank you, Katie. That was a good point is that uh, I believe the code requires us to ask for a permit because this pool could potentially be filled up to 24 inches. It's a 30 inch wall pool uh, that per spec allows you to fill it up 24 inches. And I believe 24 inches is the threshold. So we're really trying to um, follow the, the processes here. Um, I, I would imagine the average person out there might think that a, a permit isn't even required for um, such a small um, process. And there is no, no permit required, no building permit required for fences. Um, the only reason that we're required to have a permit for the fence is because it's used as a barrier for this 24 inch deep pool. Uh, Chairman Stogsdale, uh, thank you uh, for your comments. Um, I, I appreciate your time and effort and your frustration in this process. And uh, it, it is always frustrating to, to try and interpret the building code. It is a, an interesting document. So uh, at this time, I would like to open it up into, for any public comment, if we have any at this time. And if you are on Zoom and wish to make public comment, you may use the raise the hand feature or turn your video on and give us a little wave. Um, Chair, I can report that there is nobody physically present with us in the room um, to give public comment. And at this time, we are not seeing anybody on Zoom who wishes to give public comment. Uh, thank you, Ms. Miller. Um, at, at this time, I would open uh, the to the board members for a conversation and discussion on this topic. If I can ask a question to Mr. Jones. I, I think I saw in your email that you were saying that this was an issue that was not specifically covered by the code. Is that right? That is correct. And, and I and in the email that was part of our packet the only thing that I saw was <clears throat> the safety issue with regard to toe hold and handhold. I didn't see anything about uh, the, the alarm issue. Was that in a different email or correspondence? Yeah, that was in a different correspondence and it, was, it should also should have been covered in the appellant's uh, application regarding the alarm. Okay, this did is not see that. This is Amy Miller, Assistant Planning and Development Services Director. Can I please remind everybody to state your name each time you speak? Thank you. This is um, Berger, Member Berger, I suppose. Um, what, were there any other instances in uh, the applicable codes where there was discussion of what would be a permissible gap or space? Um, Adrian Jones, City of Lawrence. Um, I believe in subsequent conversations and even in the uh, uh, applicant uh, applications for appeal, that was discussed about uh, and about whether we would allow a one inch or three quarter inch, and he believed uh, the applicant believed that one and three quarters should have been allowed. 
um, because that's what's that's what's allowed in uh, chain link fence. And so the discussion between the applicant and myself uh, was that the requirements, once again, the requirements for chain, chain link fence are specific and apply only to chain link fences. Uh, you can't mix the two codes up. The requirements for a solid barriers such as a CMU wall are specific to the to that code requirement for that type of wall. So you can't uh, kind of cross cross requirements be over like a wood fence, a chain link fence, and uh, a solid brick wall. So that that was our discussion. I don't know that I included that. That might have been a phone call. I can't I can't remember. But uh, yeah, there was discussion about the 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 size of the opening. Further part of that discussion was that uh, the important was that if can you get a toe hole or a handhold in the fence? So that that was the discussion, Mr. Berger. Chris Berger, uh, is there any difference in your mind between a one and three quarter toe hold or um, handhold in a uh, chain link fence and one that's on a horizontally slatted fence. Well, we stick we stick to the very specific requirements. I, I, there's really no opinion to it. I mean, uh, they give very specific measurements on chain link fences. So, do you, do you don't have an opinion then? The reference to chain link fences and the size of the opening. Whether there's a difference between a one and three quarter inch toe hold or foothold on a chain link fence, as opposed to on a horizontally um, membered fence? My opinion is that I, I would look at the very specific requirements of the fence, chain link fence, and not apply that to a slat. So that one and three quarter uh, requirement or uh, minimum provision does not apply to wood fences. That, that would be my opinion. May I ask a quick question? This is white. What is the the actual length of the boards width-wise? Is that a six foot or eight foot or nine longer? I didn't see that in specs. Uh, Adrian Jones, City of Lawrence. Uh, Mr. White, um, I don't know if you had the attachment in the package that actually shows uh, the type of fence he's proposing. He's got three designs there and and they the, the gap varies. My question was more what the width of those boards would be, not the gap. My question for that, and I'm not seeing that, maybe I'm not seeing it somewhere, but my question is, is when the width of that board as it ages will start warping, and it's going to open up and create more distance in the gaps. And it's also going to warp either in or out. I've seen that on several horizontal fences in our area. So just a question, um, if that was even addressed, what the width of those boards were gonna be. Am I allowed to respond here? This is Matt Schwabauer. Uh, I, I think it's fair that yeah, we'll hear from you at this point. Uh, Stop, Chairman Stockdale. 
Thanks. This is Matt Schwabauer. Um, our, our plan is for posts to be six foot on center. Um, and the boards uh, currently are planned to be uh, six inches or five and a half um, milled width by one inch thick. And uh, in every other board, uh, the other board would be two and a half inches or a one by three, one inch thick. So uh, those two dimensions, uh, six foot center post. And the only thing I would add is in the spa and building code, not only is there the, the one and three quarter for uh, horizontal or for chain link fences, but there are two types of fences, closely spaced horizontal members and widely spaced horizontal members. Uh, they're sort of spelled out specifically, and both of those allow cutouts um, of one and three quarter in the fence. So the, that one and three quarter dimension shows up in, in more places than just the, the chain link. Thank you. Chairman Stogsdale, uh, thank you. Um, is, do we want to, anyone else have any questions or concerns or comments? Questions, yeah. Mr. Schwabauer, please. Oh, I'm sorry, Alan. Um, Adrian, is yep. Adrian there? Yes. Um, is the swimming pool and spa code an adopted code or is it an advisory code? You know, I believe that is an adopted code. Because when I check, when I check on the city's website, it is not listed. Yeah, I think Alan, you you may be correct that that may be and uh, gonna just sec. Okay. And maybe Alan, while he's looking that up, you can explain what the difference might mean. Well, the difference to me, is the, 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 I, I, well, I'm not going to give my hand away, but the difference to me is that if we don't adopt, if we haven't got an adopted code, we have, we are not authorized to enforce it. Okay. You can't it is, make up, you can't make up things and enforce them. You have to have a dot, you have to have adopted a code. You have to have adopted a policy so it's free and fair for the public to get access to it and know what the rules are adrian jones it is uh it is in our amendment so it, it's adopted like a standard how adrian how would a, a citizen not familiar with development codes and such find out that that is an adopted code it should be listed on our website. I can double check, Alan. Okay. I'm on the website right now and I don't see it. But you I don't do see it. See, I do see uh, a, a citation for Chapter 16 fences, and it uh, defines a fence in the city code as anything that's greater than 50% um, dense, I guess. Um, I guess I'm worried that we've got too many codes and <laughs> uh, it, it may not be fair, although the safety issue is of great concern. So. Chris Berger, if I can ask Mr. Schwabauer. Right. Just, we, we were, uh, just had a chance to look yesterday at the the, what I guess a swimming pool code. And there is a section called closely spaced horizontal members. 
talking that the vertical portion of those shall not exceed one and three quarter inches in width. And then where there are decorative cutouts within the vertical members, spacing within the cutout shall not exceed one and three quarter inches in width. Do you, do you have any understanding of what that means? My, my impression is if I put four by four posts on whatever that is, two inch center, then I would, would be okay here. But uh, all that would do is keep someone from going through the fence who's larger than two inches square or whatever that um, spacing of 13 quarter. I agree this, I would hope would have fallen under the closely spaced horizontal member description, but it just doesn't apply with, uh, I, I can't put posts on, on four inch center here. Um, the six foot centers. So and I, there's, it, there's another section called diagonal members that when the barrier itself is composed of diagonal members, the maximum opening formed by the diagonal members shall not be greater than one and three quarter inches. So long as they're no greater than 45 degrees in diagonal. Uh, I, I gotta tell you, I'm confused by it. I think these two items are like wanting like a lattice fence or something up and they're all driven at uh, this, like you're not allowed to pass a four inch diameter ball through the fence essentially. Um, or if I were to get a, like a cattle panel type fence, uh, I, the, the, the members would have to be close. The wires would have to be close enough together. Essentially, I think to keep hands or feet out, it's kind of driving it to, uh, you know, keep smaller openings to keep things from passing through more than about climbing. That's my interpretation. That was Schwab hour. And I, I'm okay. Thank you. Uh, Chairman Stockfield, does anyone else have any uh, comments or want to address this issue? This is John Delfelder. I have a question for Adrian. Adrian, what is the uh, permit requirement, the minimum size pool? You're muted. Adrian, you're, you're muted right now. Adrian Jones. Uh, John, are you saying what does the permit require? What do you mean by that? Are you saying all pools in Lawrence are required to follow these guidelines and, and permitting? No, that isn't correct. If, it, if the pool has, is deeper than 24 inches, that's when a barrier is required. That's, that's basically it. So it's, it's 24 inches or more? Yes. Or it's, okay. Yeah, yeah. So technically, uh, Mr. Schwabauer is required to pull a permit. Yes. And I do concur with him that his pool can only hold 24 inches of water based on the manual that I looked at for Intex pool. The alarms are just notifications that if someone leaves your back door 
or a window under those alarm requirements, you need to be notified. Those alarms are very inexpensive. You can buy a four pack of them on Amazon for $30. And you can comply with the city code by putting those $30 alarms on there. So it's a pretty minimum investment just to make sure a child who may be visiting you or your child uh, that's part of this meeting, um, you're notified when they've exited your home. Um, I think it's a, it's a good safety measure. Um, I'm not sure about the fence. Uh, the intent of the fence is just to prevent climbing. Um, I, I like your fence. Um, I, you know, I, Mr. Berger's comment on the warping is obviously a little bit concerning. It would provide bigger gaps uh, down the road. And, you know, nothing says that you won't leave that pool in your backyard and you won't sell your house tomorrow. And the new home or the homeowner that comes in there is, you know, needs to make sure that these safety requirements were met when that pool was put in and you pulled your permit. So I get your thinking today, it's not applicable. However, these codes are put in place for not only you, but for the future homeowner. Um, and homeowners say a lot of things. They say, you know, this is just how I'm going to do it. Um, I'm going to tear it down every year and I'll put it away. Maybe they are, maybe they're not. Nobody's really going to come back and check. So at this point in time, all measures have to be met uh, to the best of the city's ability. And um, so my personal opinion on the fence is, is I, I agree. There's nothing there that talks about horizontal fencing, uh, just horizontal members on the interior side of the fence, of the pool side of the fence is the only language that I see that covers the horizontal members. Um, I think we could probably come to an agreement for your fence on that gap today um, if you were willing to give a little bit on that measurement. I would say three quarters of an inch would be acceptable, but that's my opinion. I think anything above three quarters of an inch is not acceptable because a toe could get in there and use that fence to climb. Um, chain link fences only have, you know, a four inch square, uh, a four square inch opening in it. So you're not going to get that out of a wood fence. Um, so I guess basically th these are just my opinions. Thank you. Chairman Stocks again. Uh, is anyone else want to chime in on this? Uh, give their thoughts. Uh, Sarah Jane Scott, board member. Um, I had a question on um, with the normal construction practices eight for Adrian in the code. Um, did you do you have an opinion or an, any advice on if it doesn't cover specifically horizontal slats, but it covers diagonal? Yeah, is there an interpolation between the spacing if you just horizontal is not vertical but it's closer to diagonal yeah I, uh sarah jane i really don't have a uh uh thought on that because horizontal and diagonal are two different 
different types of things. So um, I don't think they would be applicable in the same in the same uh, measurement or way. So on the normal construction practices, if you're putting in horizontal slanting, um, would it be normal to butt the boards up together and then allow for the shrinkage or would you gap them and allow for shrinkage? There is gonna be shrinkage, uh, absolutely. And that should be considered at the time of the design. Um, you know, being around construction, um, now you put in a, a, a deck and you start out with an eighth and, eighth and then you end up with a quarter. I think you, that's pretty much um, the type of shrinkage that might occur. And that, that would be something to consider over time. I have discussed that with our structural uh, inspector and we are the same opinion that what you start out with is not gonna be over time what you end up with. So that should be considered, yes. Chris Berger, uh, Ms. Scott raised a, a question for me. That diagonal member section says, quote, the angle of diagonal members shall not be greater than 45 degrees from vertical. Does that mean that it can move, um, has to be, what, I, what I'm trying to say, at least 45 degrees and moves toward 90 straight up and down or it's the opposite way <laughs> so you're nodding up and down saying it's the opposite it's the opposite in other words you go from vertical to almost horizontal and you can't exceed the 45 degrees so if you go from vertical to 180 or, or 90 you've exceeded that requirement and i think the intent on that section of the code is to not have horizontal members that you can climb so diagonal members that are two degrees would be under the diagonal member section. Uh, Adrian Jones, two degrees from vertical, Mr. Berger? Two degrees from vertical. Yes, that would be under the diagonal section. So that would be, that would be in terms of um, nearly vertical. <laughs> That's yeah, going from one, if you do 360 on, on at, at 12 being one, uh, two degrees would be, you know, five degrees off vertical. Right. Okay. That's, yep. I, think, I think it's a little different than the first answer. <laughs> Jim, Stoddis, again, any other comments? This is Mike Vernon. I have a question for Mr. Jones. Um, in the email, you had referenced um, an ICC commentary saying that a barrier can't have any protrusions or indentations, such as a toehold or a handhold. Um, I was curious where that came from because in the International uh, Spa and Swimming Pool Code, the definition of a barrier is listed as a permanent fence wall building wall or combination to completely surround a pool or spa and obstruct the access to the pool or spa. Well, I was just curious where that commentary section is, where that came from. That commentary referenced, references the barrier requirement 
uh, for 305. And uh, it just gives basic overall guidance and the intent of the barrier. If you're looking at my email from 430. Okay, and is that found, is the commentary, is it, is that a separate edition of the code or in the end of the code book or? No, that's a separate book that you have to buy. This is Matt Schwabauer. I, I found the protrusions or indentations in 305.2.3 solid barrier surfaces um, it, in, the, in the code. Can't can't use a, a climbing wall as a barrier. Chairman Stogsdale again. Any other comments? Chris Berger. Uh, just something for Mr. Jones. The, does from your perspective, does the city actually take on any responsibility in its code review for uh, the safety? of any resident or homeowner in Kansas? Our jurisdiction lies, uh, Adrian Jones, our jurisdiction lies strictly um, for the city of Lawrence. No, and, uh, yeah. So is it the city's position then, this is Chris Berger, that it does or doesn't take on any responsibility for safety of residents or homeowners as it's reviewing, approving, or not approving um, submittals? Uh, Mr. Berger, as a building official, um, it is the responsibility of plan review and safety staff to determine uh, if a structure is constructed that yes, it is, uh, it is safe. And so in responsibility, unless we knowingly approve a code violation then yes, the city should be responsible or is responsible for the safety of that structure. In other words, if say for instance, we approved uh, a deck that was way overspanned uh, and it collapsed, then uh, unless we knowingly approved and approved a code violation, I think that in my opinion, it, the city would be responsible for that. This is John Delfelder, um, Adrian. Um, I'm not a legal a, a scholar or attorney, but um, I have seen a few of these um, city um, jurisdictions who have authority over our codes. Uh, and most of the time, it just comes down, you're providing a level of assurance to the best of your knowledge that, you know, this work is being done correctly. I don't think you'll be held liable. Uh, you know, the homeowner ultimately is going to be liable here for anything that happens in his backyard. And I think we're all trying to help him get there. Um, I guess my question is, as a contractor, I've had to come to the city and ask for things that are a little gray in the code and ask for a variance. And sometimes I get an okay and sometimes I get no. Um, I guess my question on behalf of Mr. Schwabauer and his family, um, 
are we willing to make a concession and give him a variance on this fence? And if we are, what is that? What is the threshold that we're willing to accept? And is he willing to accept it? Um, I personally am not willing to make any variance uh, or recommendations against the alarms. They're inexpensive and they're there for a good reason. And I certainly think everybody should be informed when somebody leaves the back of their house and goes into an area where there's a pool, especially when you have children. So I don't think there's any variance there. But I think on the fence, if if we can come to an agreement on the variance, this thing could be a slam dunk and we can get out of here. Just my thought. Mr. Chairman, uh, Adrian Jones, I want to rephrase that last statement. I think I said it backwards. <laughs> we were honest with you. If, if the city or city and plan review staff knowingly approves a code violation, then I, the information I know and understand by that uh, from my experience is that if you, that would be liable. Everybody makes mistakes. So that that's, I wanted to clear that up. Thank you. This is Chair Stogstone. Um, I, I, I have to admit, I've learned quite a bit in the last couple of days um, reviewing this code. This is not one I'm conf I've, you have used in the past. I'm very it's new to me, and and I can understand how an individual trying to provide a play space for his child is could be very frustrated in this process. So um, I have some sympathies there. Um, the one thing I keep coming back to that I see in several of these items uh, is a dimension of one and three quarters of an inch. And it seems that the building officials have, the code people have decided that that is a size or a, or a, a maximum height that would be allowed under multiple different types of fencing. I do understand that the exact fence he's describing is, is not described here. It is an interpretation. And I also know part of our responsibility, at least my understanding, is to try and help the, the city officials to kind of interpret what we would envision the interpretation of the gray area in the code and give our opinions. And so I think that's the part for me that I'm sitting here kind of going, uh, well, are we going to tell this individual that his fence is just not allowed because it's not of a design that we have standards for, or are we going to take the information given to us and try and make a rational assumption that there is a dimension that is acceptable to the reasonable safety and, and security that this would be still maintained to be a barrier. So I would entertain the idea that perhaps if we could all come to a, a dimension, uh, an agreement in terms of taking into account the shrinking over time uh, that would be acceptable as a variant from the building code, uh, I'd be willing to have that conversation if anyone would like to, to go there. This is Eric G. I got a question for Matt, if possible. Hey Matt, what um, what material are you thinking the fence is going to be? 
Yeah. Um, there is a, a lumber mill up in, in Meriden that saws um, old telephone poles into um, into lumber, and that's uh, the material that we're procuring for this. So it's full dimension, four by fours. It's old pine, I think. Well, solidly treated. Um, and then I guess the other dimensions that I already mentioned for the slats or the, the nominal dimension lumber. Because I, I think, because I think there are different um, levels of shrinkage for different materials. Um, treated is going to shrink a lot more than dry cedar. Or I, I actually know what material you are talking about if it's coming from Frank's Mill, and that stuff is not going to shrink anything like uh, treated material you're going to buy off the shelf at Home Depot or, or Menards. I would agree. I, I get the impression it's also fairly resistant to warping more than a typical treated board. And I, I, I just my opinion on this on the fence is I tend to agree with what John has mentioned. Um, I, I can't imagine that um, the fence Matt's proposing at six feet tall with a three quarter inch gap is anywhere as easy to climb as a uh, four foot chain link fence. And it's unfortunate there's no exact section of the code that says um, anything about this type of fence. So I, I'm, I'm on, on board with approving it with the three quarter inch gap and um, the height that's proposed. I, I don't have a problem with the column or the post spacing. I think that um, in my mind, that's a little irrelevant dependent or based on the material you're using. Um, so that um, I also agree. I, I I don't know that I can waver on the uh, the window and door alarms on the back of the house. I think that's a safety feature that's necessary. Chris Berger, Mr. Jones, is is the city just um, taking a position that it would never find any horizontally slatted fence acceptable? Adrian Jones, City of Lawrence. No, that, that would not be the case. Is there any space between those, Chris Berger, horizontal slats that the city would find acceptable? Well, Adrian Jones, City of Lawrence, the, the applicant has proposed three different types of fence. And uh, our discussion was that uh, one and three quarters were, was not acceptable. There is one fence de design there where there's, uh, I don't believe, if you all have the pictures up, I don't believe that you can get a toehold, but those are so spaced so close together and the applicant wanted at least an inch and three quarters is my understanding. And, and if, if you look at his uh, paperwork, he said he would, would go down an inch. My personal opinion is an inch is still too much. I mean, I can get, I get my hands in an inch opening very easily. Uh, so, and someone with smaller hands and smaller feet could. So uh, we had kind of gone back and forth on that, uh, that measurement and hadn't come down to an agreement because the applicant had not, had not proposed a sp very specific design. So we, uh, we were working with that. So he's got three pictures up there. Um, so 
you know, there is something except my personal opinion. Uh, and I think in discussion with plan review staff, a half inch might be acceptable, but I don't believe the applicant wants to go down that far. Chris Berger, in, in your review and comment process, could you comment back when you're reviewing documents with what would be acceptable in the future, as opposed to simply saying no? Uh, it's uh, the plan reviewers uh, responsibility is not to design something for them to submit. They, they, they submit it, propose it, we review it and give, give responses back. This is Matt Schwabauer. May I say something? Okay, I'm assuming yes. Um, uh, when we were submitting this, we did include a, a sketch in addition to um, the, the photos that uh, Mr. Jones has referenced. Um, I wasn't expecting this uh, process. I was sort of expecting an, an approval based on a, a concept design and uh, call this... Uh, sort of uh, paperwork and construction all trying to meet uh, you know warm season schedule to let uh, Nora get out in that that pool um, so we didn't we hadn't finalized our our concept uh, when I asked for one and three quarters I, I was trying to protect what I, I believe and still believe would be my entitlement um, based on what someone pointed out is that the one and three quarter, number shows up all over this place for very specific types of fences. So I, I still believe that that is an entitlement that should be allowed for, for horizontal slat fences. Uh, I could get on board with this um, body interpreting that differently. Um, and our, our latest objective is to have a three-quarter space based on the, the aesthetic we're going for um, and believing that would be a safe uh, dimension as well. Um, while, while I'm speaking, I, I will just speak to the, um, uh, the alarm uh, as well. I appreciate the, uh, the point uh, uh, Mr. Delfelder made and, and Mr. J um, regarding you know, safety. And, and I do understand uh, that the alarms are a safety feature and particularly on the door, uh, that makes sense. Um, on the windows, they, they seem onerous. I think uh, my biggest concern here with a lot of these things is when we set up rules that then uh, are are so onerous that they're difficult to follow. If, if I have to disable this alarm every time I want to open or close one of my windows, you know, a homeowner myself or a future homeowner would, would tend to disable these or not want to turn them back on. If something were to happen um, and, and someone was hurt and there were some sort of uh, you know, lawsuit or an insurance company or whatever, if, if there were a rule in place that weren't followed because it was onerous, but it was in place because it was a rule, um, that would be, uh, you know, liability on us. It puts, I, I believe, an undue burden on us. Uh, I, I could get on board with an alarm on the door. That makes sense. No one's going to climb through our windows. I, I think the code is really unfair here and that it points out that any window with a sill less than 48 inches needs an alarm. There's no, uh, no one who's gonna drown in this pool is gonna be able to open this window or climb through this window. There's nothing very specific about it. So, um, you know, once again, the code can't uh, probably speak to every specific window um, 
in in the world. Uh, but uh, it's just a, a point of concern for me that we're being asked to put something in on day one uh, that just isn't very realistic. And it uh, essentially exposes us, I believe, to liability uh, if we don't follow this sort of uh, very, very rigorous uh, safety rule. Thanks. I think my only addition to that comment, this is Katie Hobson, one of the homeowners is, um, I mean, we've, we've tried to do the right thing through this whole process. We started off by calling our um, insurance agency to find out like what the rules were around pools and liability. And quite honestly, they said, if it has water in it and it's a pool and you need a fence, <laughs> go to your city to talk about the the building code and so that's where this process started and um there was no discussion about alarms on our doors i mean we are in and out of our doors frequently all day i can't imagine what that will be like to have alarms going off all day long <laughs> um so I, I understand wanting safety issues here. We're even going to have a pool cover. I'm not sure exactly how it attaches yet, but we're not trying to be unsafe. We are really trying to follow the rules here and create a barrier that is very clearly from the get-go saying, this is our yard. This is not a place you're allowed to come into and, um, and, and trying to be safe in our neighborhood, so. This is Laura Blanchard here. <clears throat> There's a couple of things I wanted to bring up. Uh, first of all, the alarms on the doors can be tied into your house uh, security system. Um, and it just dings and tells you if the door's been open. And then you can also, it's not if the window's been open, it's usually if the screen's been taken out. Um, that's when it would alarm. Um, I have teenage boys, so their windows that are down below have alarms on them uh, for if screens are taken out. Two, the structural integrity of the pool that you bought is only designed to hold 24 inches of water, not over 24 inches. And the code applies for pools over 24 inches from my understanding. Um, another item is that um, my husband, who's an architect and was a contractor for a while, built one of these horizontal type fences around underneath our um, sunroom, um, raised sunroom. And so I had the neighborhood young boys come over and there's probably about three quarters to an inch gap between the cedar planks. And it, yes, it's only about five feet tall, but I was trying to have them climb. I tied, I to have them take their shoes off um, with socks. It was impossible, you know, with, even with bare toes, they, they really, really struggled and they could never get all the way to the, up to the top. So that made me a little more comfortable with this option. Um, what you have done is try to follow the code and um, do it the right way. And we do appreciate that. I'm kind of like everyone else here. The alarm system I think is important. Um, just in case um, you can even get like a ring type system to notify you for movement out there. Um, but yeah, I, I think you've met the, since it's not clearly defined in the code on this type of fence design, I, in my personal opinion, I think that you've met the intent of safety.
Chris Berger, uh, Chairman Stogsdale, is, is this our deliberation time? That's Chairman Stogsdale. Uh, I believe we're at that point where we need to either have a motion or some kind of suggestion in terms of where we want to move forward with. So I would entertain a motion. Uh, Adrian Jones, uh, Chairman. So uh, one of the things that I think is important is that we come up with, come leave this meeting with some clear uh, guidelines. Uh, so if, uh, as uh, uh, Ms. Blanchard said, if she feels, and they obviously did have a climbing contest, uh, <laughs> that three quarters of an inch uh, is acceptable uh, and the board wants to provide that uh, guidance or whether they think one inch or one and three fourth quarters inch is acceptable. Um, the, the point is we want to come away from the meeting with a definite set of limitations um, for this for this particular fence. So that that would be my point. Thank you, Mr. Jones. Uh, it, would anybody want to entertain a motion in terms of a maximum width that they would be comfortable with supporting as a variance on this project? This is Please, Mr. White. Yeah, I would, uh, I would agree that I think three quarters, in my opinion, would be a, a good reference that would allow for a little additional shrinkage. Um, I know Matt had said this is coming from a sawmill, which is great. There's probably not a lot of shrinkage in that but we don't know what someone else would be purchasing for another home in another part of the city. So that would be, you know, something we'd have to take a look at. I would be, I would feel comfortable with three quarters of an inch. Um, you know, there again, maybe this is just my ignorance with construction, but it, the longer the board is, the more warpage you're going to see in the board, which gives more of a, of, of a handhold or place for footing. So I think that has to come into play too. I like, Matt, what you said on the six foot, that made me feel a little more comfortable because there's not as much board to move quite as far. So, and uh, just like John and Eric, um, I'm, and, and even Laura, I'm totally against any not putting the alarms on. I think that's a very important part. Windows and doors. This is John Delfelder. I just would like to make one additional comment. Um, and I, see where Mr. Schwabar is going. He'd like to architecturally have something a little bit more in this fence than um, most fences. Would there, what, what is the thoughts or the, the maximum threshold that you guys would uh, you think would be allowable if he did want to have some at an inch and a quarter and some at three quarters of an inch? Um, you know, no more than 24 inches, because that would be a big step if somebody was trying to get to the next one inch. But that might give, you know, we could meet in the middle here. He could have some at a maximum of an inch and a quarter and, and the others at three quarters, as long as they were less than, uh, uh, that they were more than 24 inches apart. So he could play with those dimensions uh, on his fence and kind of give it um, um, some architectural flexibility. Just a thought. 
Mr. Chairman Adrian Jones, City of Lawrence. Uh, that uh, that's kind of too open-ended, Mr. Dale Felter, because uh, that's like, you know, there's no way to regulate it, you know, whether you got an inch a quarter, three quarter, inch and a half, space two inch, two feet apart or something like that. And uh, that wouldn't be the guidance I would be looking for or the city staff would be looking for. Chris Berger, come, up, come at it from a slightly different tune. I don't think that uh, the city or this board has, you know, a legal responsibility with regard to dictating things of, of this minute nature, uh, that there is no obligation on behalf of the city for safety or liability for review or non-review, that we should just follow the general theme that's found within uh, this code that seems to really fixate on one and three quarter inches. We are not obligated to guarantee safety. We're not obligated to ensure that no one is ever harmed. People will be injured, children. It happens every single day. And I think we should reward property owners who are looking for an aesthetic that is greater than a four foot chain link fence, which is far easier to climb than any, any horizontally slatted fence, whether it be even six inches between the boards. So the, the harmony here is one and three quarter inch that we would interpret the horizontal members to be, whether those boards are on the inside toward the pool or outside toward the street. Um, and on the alarms, uh, I don't think the city has any right to be telling what's going on inside the buildings and the residences of our, of our, of our citizens. So uh, that's, that's an improper intrusion in my book uh, and, and I would not support that. No, even if it's well-intended, that's just a threshold I'm literally not willing to cross. Okay, this is uh, Chairman Stogsdale. Um, I was thinking that there was kind of a leaning towards a nominal dimension that we could pretty much have a vote on, but I have not heard a consensus yet. So uh, again, uh, if it's an inch and three quarters, if it's an inch maximum, if it's three quarters of an inch, um, I think if we would like to move forward on this and allow this this, this family to build this barrier, uh, then I think we need to make a decision or, you know, he, he can't move forward. This is John Delfelder. Mr. Schwabauer, are you, are you willing to make any concessions at all? Yeah, this is Matt Schwabauer. For our fence, we intend to build it at at three quarter, um, and we would be happy with that decision. I think to Mr. Berger's point, I believe he just made it the the inch and three quarter is is all over that document. And you know, part of our interest in being here is to you know help help the person who comes behind us, and also to help Mr. Jones here so that he has clear um, clear guidance that he can offer uh, the citizens of Lawrence. So um, you know, I would suggest as just a citizen of Lawrence that you follow the the one and three quarter, um, 
but personally, we we are comfortable proceeding with with three quarters. Uh, we're really anxious to get a fence built. Um, okay, then I say we proceed with uh, the recommendation of uh, three quarters of an inch gap uh, horizontally. Um, all other conditions with the uh, fencing code uh, is remains applicable as it's written and the uh, alarm uh, will be um, required. Mr. Stogsdale. Uh, Chairman Stogsdale here, uh, point of order, uh, do we need a second and do we need to take a vote? I mean, this is a guidance we're giving back or a document we're giving back to uh, city. So what, is, what, what do you need from us? Amy Miller, Assistant Planning and Development Services Director. Yes, you will need a motion. You can use the agenda item that is in iCompass as a guide um, for what that may look like. And within that motion, you can also specify the three quarters of an inch um, in there. Uh, thank you, Chairman Stokes are here. Um, so uh, I guess we could work with uh, John Delfelder's uh, motion. And if we could get a second, uh, could add that dimension to oh, the... Uh, Mark, this is Jan Shockey. This is Jan Shockey. Go ahead. Um, I think we should separate the two items. And uh, I would say we would I mean, have have the motion for the three quarter and then have a se separate vote on the uh, security issue that this is chairman Stockton, that's that's acceptable to me um uh, those are the two items that are a question here so uh, if i get a second on either one of those motions Chris Berger, a question for, for Mr. Delfelder. Is the intention on the three quarters specifically with regard to Mr. Schwabauer's appeal or as future instruction for the city or both? I'll let the city determine that. Uh, but at this point in time, Mr. Schwabauer is seeking uh, clarification and a variant to the way the code is being interpreted. So if the city wants to add language to the code via their amendments, that's up to them and their uh, code review board. I stated a little differently, Chris Berger, is, is it the intention that it be no more than three quarters or at least three quarters? Meaning Max, it's approved no. for Mr. Schwabauer for three quarters, but the future direction toward the city is shall not exceed or is at least three quarters is okay. I'm just speaking on behalf of this uh, appeal. And I would say for what we're talking about today, it'd be a maximum of three quarters of an inch. Chairman Stockzell, Adrian Jones, City of Lawrence. Um, John was on the right track there. If, 
if we want to at some point, maybe in the next round of adoptions or accept a policy or something like that, that for horizontal members and make a code amendment, say the maximum spacing would be three quarters. So that would be a, that would be handled separately. And any decision coming out of the board for this particular meeting would only apply to this appellant. Thank you for that clarification, Mrs. Chairman Stockdale. Um, I would I would second uh, the three quarter approval for Mr. Schwabauer. Uh, we have a uh, motion and a second on the dimension of the gap or the spacing between the uh, fence boards. Um, I guess we could uh, call for a vote on that item. Yes. White. Yes. Blanchard. Yes. Delfelder. Yes. Brunin. Yes. A lot. No. And let me explain why. Um, I'm on the city's website. It lists nine different codes and it's specifically lists links to fences and to swimming pools. I, can, I, I cannot find anything in the listed city codes that a normal person could find to find a regulation that we have been spending the last hour to discuss. I think staff is doing the right thing. They are looking out for public safety, but I can't vote for something that is not a rule or a regulation. And at this time, I'm not convinced that we have adopted this. So that's the cause for my nay vote. Uh, Adrian Jones, City of Lawrence. Um, we have been uh, proceeding on the assumption that this code has been adopted. I'm looking at information from our former building official. Uh, and I can tell you very often, Alan, websites don't get updated uh, like they should. When we adopted the, uh, this was part of an appendix in the back of the 2015 IRC and it, it was moved to we adopted the full uh, swimming code. Uh, and my first thought is that this just did not get updated on the website. I don't know how to assure you of that, but, um, uh, or whether I'm wrong or not. So we're looking into that very closely right about now. Uh, <laughs> Adrian, I'm not assailing your veracity and protecting your <laughs> public safe and healthy health. I just, I, you know what I think, if it's a code, I'll abide by it. If I can find it and it's adopted, I'll, buy, I'll abide by it. If I can't find it, if I can't find it, then a person that isn't dealing with codes on a regular basis for sure can't find it. And I think that that's what we owe that to the public. Okay. Okay. So that's the only reason I'm recording that vote. Uh, John Delfelder, just real quick, Alan. And if you go to the city of Lawrence and you pull up swimming pool building permit requirements, there's no mystery about this fence. So it is out there. No, no, no. I'm not. I'm not saying that about the fence. I'm just saying that that you're making your reference to the international swimming pool and spa code for your interpretation, and I am not convinced that that code has been adopted. I'm not saying it hasn't been adopted, but it isn't on the city's website. 
Chris Berger, I know Ms. Mrs. Blanchard had previously commented on whether it was applicable at all to this setting. Um, did you have any further comment on that or, or observation? I, I just want to remind the board that we are in the middle of a roll call vote. Um, I, if, I'd like to go back to the rule of order also. This is actually a judicial body. We should be having these deliberations in private. So I think we, we can actually have free conversation. Chris, this is Laura Blanchard. I did not have anything further to say about that. This is Amy Miller, Assistant Planning and Development Services Director. I will continue with the roll call vote. Jay? Jay, can you unmute yourself and try again? Yes. Thank you. Scott? Yes. Shockey? Yes. Berger? No. Stogsdale? Yes. The motion carries seven to two. Thank you very much. Um, so uh, I guess the next item is, if we're taking these separately, would be the safety of the elect electrical uh, sound uh, devices and whether that should be enforced in this case. Um, it is in the code, uh, but uh, there seems to be some question whether uh, that is an applicable code at this point, but I think that's another discussion for another time. So uh, if we would like to have a motion that we uh, would require alarms on the windows and doors on this project, uh, I would entertain that at this time. Chris Berger, my apologies. I, I was not prepared for that particular issue. I know it's in his appeal notice. Just for quick answer, is there, is this specifically required by code expressly? Uh, this is Chairman Stockstill. It is listed actually in this code uh, section. Mr. Uh, Jones could probably quote it to you, but uh structure uh 305.4 um and it specifically calls out the 48 inch high windows and the rest of the requirements that were listed uh per jones's comments okay i, I don't think we have any discretion to, to since it's clear and it's part of a code and assuming it's been adopted i don't think it's within our jurisdiction to to, to make an exception to it. This is Chairman Stocks. I tend to agree with you on that point. So um, this is new to me. So are we all in agreement that we will let that stand as is, as part of it? We have no uh, need or desire to modify that in this case. I don't think we have any authority, Chris Berger. I don't think we have any authority to do so under under our scope of authority. Um, hearing no other comments, I would I would suggest to staff that we uh, have the perspective that we cannot or you know will require that uh, alarm portion of the 
variance to be um, enforced. Adrian Jones, Mr. Chairman, uh, that was part of uh, the appellant's uh, request. So I think it's my opinion that we need to make a vote on that. I may be wrong, but it sounds like you just need to make a vote. We'll call motion and go from there. Um, okay, this is Chairman Sogsdale. Uh At this time, I would like to uh, schedule or to do a vote on that particular item to verify for the appellant. Chris Berger, I would move that it appears that the provisions of the city code definitively cover this, this subject uh, and that we don't have the authority in this instance to grant a deviation. We have a second, Chairman Stogsdale. This is Laura Blanchard. Sorry, Laura, go ahead. I second the motion. Uh, if we could uh, call a roll call vote. Yes, uh, White. Yes. Blanchard? Yes. Delfelder? Yes. Brunin? Yes. Balad? Yes. Jay? Yes. Scott? Yes. Shockey? Yes. Berger? Yes. Stogsdale? Yes. Motion carries 10 to 0. Uh, this is Chairman Stogsdale. Uh, I think that pretty well covers the items uh, that we were supposed to review today. Um, so if anyone has any last comments, I would entertain those at this time. This is Chris Berger. I just really want to thank Mr. Schwabauer, Mrs. Hobson. They've done the right thing. They've kind of, well, they've sort of been penalized for it. That's a shame. That's the, that's our regulatory life that we live in. They've been very courteous, very patient, uh, very, uh, very impressive in the manner in which they've gone forward and respected the system, uh, has honored, they've honored it. Uh, and um, I just, I just thank them for engaging. Thank you. Uh, let's not forget staff's involvement um, in looking out for the public safety of the, of the city at large. Um, All right. Uh, I would also like to uh, to uh, congrat or to thank the uh, all the members of the board that uh, showed up for this uh, very insightful in, uh, meeting we've had today. Thank you. Uh, with that, I would uh, I would entertain a motion to adjourn. Motion to adjourn. Second. Why? Why gone? Uh, we have a motion to uh, adjourn and second. Uh, could I get a vote? Yep. White? Yes. Blanchard? Yes. Delfelder? Yes. Brunin? Yes. Balot? 
Yes. Jay? Yes. Scott? Yes. Shockey? Yes. Berger? Yes. Stogsdale? Yes. Thank you all. <laughs>